and other people. And that's the, the big thing about imposter phenomena is that it's super isolating. Um, one, because you don't, you're not going to share with your colleagues that I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And so you're isolated more. A, a primary function of imposter phenomena is that you externalize everything you achieve. Mm. So if I accomplish something good, it's because I was luck, because I was affirmative action higher, um, because I had a good team. And you can't internalize any good thing that you have done. Um, and so if you begin there, if you start to internalize what I've done, internalize the accomplishments and recognize uh, where you are as, yes, it's a, it's a range of things that contributed to it. But part of that, the core of that is you and your capabilities. It's, it's helpful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Your Head. I'm your host, Kristal Roots, clinical psychologist and founder of Psych Central South Africa. I want to first just take some time to really thank each and every person who has listened to our podcast, shared it and showed us so much love and appreciation. This has become one of my new favorite things to do and I find myself after each episode feeling like I've really just learned so much, grown so much as a person and have a bit more understanding for things that people experience and go through on a daily basis. I hope that it's done the same for you. This episode was extra special and important for me to have. I had a chat with Tatu Makwena about imposter syndrome or phenomena as she prefers to call it. Tatu is a clinical psychologist in private practice at Psych Central in Ravonia and she also offers psychological services in the medical setting where she currently works in a subacute ward with patients who experience neurological related problems such as traumatic brain injuries and strokes. Imposter phenomena is something that can be so invasive and really have people doubt themselves beyond what we can imagine. Being a high performer myself and someone who values achievement a lot, I've experienced this at times in my life. However, I realized with this discussion with Tatu that it goes far beyond what my experience has ever been. Marginalized groups are so much more prone to experience imposter phenomena, constantly feeling like people are going to realize that you don't know what you're doing, feeling like you have to work extra hard to prove your value and worth as a human being and professional person. After this discussion, I realized that this phenomena is a problem that's so much bigger than what we think and it's affecting the lives of so many people. Please reach out for help if you find yourself that you're able to relate to this or in a position where this has become something that's really affecting your psychological and emotional well-being. If you want to know more about Psych Central or Tattoo and the services that she offers, you can visit our website at psychcentral.co.za. You can also follow us on your preferred social media platform, where our handle is Psych Central South Africa for TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Let's start off with maybe just, I think, I think a lot of people have experienced imposter syndrome. Mm, mm. I think a lot of people have maybe experienced that and they don't even know that they experienced it. So there's kind of the, the group of people who would be very aware and know exactly what imposter syndrome are before we start off with this discussion. And then there's a lot of people who might not even have ever known. Um, and I think that this can be very self-reflective for them or actually just open up a lot of things for them to think mm -hmm. about but I want to start off with just for you maybe 
what you view imposter syndrome as or like if you think about the word what is it that comes to mind for me um and i think really generally for anyone what imposter syndrome is is a persistent doubting of one's abilities even in the face of evidence that one is capable um it's a like a persistent feeling of being inadequate um of being a fraud um that all your peers and whatever sector you're in know what they're doing and you just have no idea you've just found yourself in the situation by luck or some sort of um external factor um and you're going to be found out they're mm-hmm. going to find you out be careful mm-hmm. yeah i do feel like you kind of go well this is just what it is but it's a lot it's it's so big yeah, like it's yeah. a huge thing to to set worth and so maybe let's chat a bit about what are things that lead to people experiencing imposter syndrome or factors not that leads factors that plays a role mm-hmm. um can i start off by saying or not start off but to answer this question i think it might be important how i understand imposter syndrome is cuz syndrome has um connotations yes if you have a syndrome you have a condition you're the patient you need individual intervention um and i and i don't know if that captures what being feeling having this experience is mm. i think it's more i think it might be better to use the language imposter phenomena because i think it includes the bigger scope of what's happening it's not just an individual internalized thing there's stuff happening in a society in our surroundings um that impact the way we feel about ourselves um so i i'm going to try use imposter phenomena but i might jump between the two okay. but they mean the same thing um so essentially anyone can experience imposter phenomena um it's it's anyone in any demographic uh any sector but there are people who like you say have more of a risk um more susceptible to having the experience and the one group are people who are high functioning or high achieving and that's that in itself is crazy it's so ironic because you mm. would think that if you are highly accomplished you confident in your capacity or capability to do the thing you're doing but it's often these people that feel most inadequate which is crazy. Mm. Um but I think it also has to it probably has to do with the fact that if you are high achieving you have achieved yourself into highly competitive environments with other high achieving people. So that competition whether it's um overt like sports teams like you know there's a winner and a loser or it's more um insidious like in academia I remember in varsity there were some programs where they would literally post publicly your marks for like tests or exams so anyone could see if you had the password you could see those kind of things create a competitive environment whether it's obvious or not um and if you're comparing yourself against someone else is a winner there has to be a winner and a loser mm. so i think that's probably part of the reason why these high achieving people feel that way um and in the second group are people who belong to historically marginalized or disadvantaged mm. groups um and i think this is probably for two reasons or what research states that is for two reasons one is in the present if you are underrepresented in a space if i don't see people that look like me in a space naturally i might feel like i don't belong in that space um i hear it so many so much with my clients who often black women who work in corporate to be like as two of us in this team or 
the higher I look up in directors and executives, the less of us there are. So if I don't see myself represented somewhere, how can I feel like I belong? And then secondly, I think it's also historical. So I think there are stereotypes and tropes that come with uh, belonging to a minority group or minority status group. So maybe if women are erratic or overly emotional, um, if you're carrying that into a corporate environment or a space where you're expected not to be there, that's a lot. That's a lot to be carrying and to be worrying about. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your mm. question. Yeah. I feel like we, we need to maybe spend some time unpacking those mm. those mm. two things because I think that, that there's so much that comes with it. So, so if we think about the – let's maybe start with the minority groups or where you feel like you're not – you, you're not represented, you're not able to see almost like what you have as the goal for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that makes it so much more realistic and workable for us is this is what I want to become and I can see that it's possible. So there's this belief that if there's someone that fits my criteria, mm -hmm. if we can call it that, or my demographic, then it's believable. Sometimes if, if I don't even believe in myself, at least I have that to hold on to. Oh, like yes. someone else could do it. But if it's not there, you almost like left to have to rely on yourself. And that's probably where a lot of your insecurities and things play such a big role. So so just tell me a bit more about what are things that you that you think of and, and that you think makes it so much harder. Mm -hmm. Um if that's the position that you're finding yourself in. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. It's, it, if I don't see myself, it feels less tangible, less doable. And that applies in everything. If I live in a neighborhood where no one has a car, it's harder for me to envision myself driving a car if I, it's in, not just in this, in this scenario. So I think the more we can relate to the, the dream, the ideal, the thing we have in our minds, um, whether it's uh, the same sex or the same race or whatever it is, we grew up in the same communities, the more we can do that, the more it's possible, more tangible. Um, yeah, I don't have... Mm. But, okay, but so let's say it's not something that's available. Mm -hmm. So you are a, a black female in corporate and there's not someone that represents you in higher up in the hierarchy. Um, how do you work with that? What do you do with that, do you think? Or how do you deal with this imposter phenomena? Yeah, that's the, the, the big question, right? Mm. Um, because people have, mm. right? There's always been a first. Um, so there's someone who's had to have passed through that to get there. And I think, first thing, I think it's unfair that for the person or people who have to pass through that because now I'm doing my job, I'm being competent in my job, but I also now have to um, break the class ceiling. Um, how to do that practically, are you asking? Or just, yes, well, where, like where do you start? What do you, what do you think can you be aware of? Like I'm not expecting that there should be one mm. answer, but... <sighs> That's a big one. I think potentially where you might want to start because I think the focus would be where we are, where I'm different from the people where I want to be. So I think where it might be helpful to start is how am I the same? Mm. Um, how, what capabilities do I have similar to them? 
you know, what if it's a degree, if it's skills, if it's talents, if it's ambitions, how am I the same as the people that I desire mm. um, to emulate? And I think if you start from there, um, it will feel more realistic, more tangible, more doable. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first, that's the one thing that comes to the top of my mind. Maybe more will come at a later stage, yeah. I think, though, that that's such a useful place to start and that's why I'm asking the question Mm. like I I don't want to kind of put you on the spot and say you need to have an answer for everyone because I guess it would also be different Mm. for each and every Mm. person that finds themselves in that position because we're unique and and so complex in our beings but I think that oftentimes it it can become such a big like the shadow or this dark cloud that's just hanging over you that you completely, like, it feels like it disregards everything about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where, as you say, like, there's actually a lot that, that you you might already be bringing to the table and that you do have that similar to your peers and, and other people. And that's the, the big thing about imposter phenomena is that it's super isolating. Um, one, because you don't, you're not going to share with your colleagues that I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And so you're isolated more. A, a primary function of imposter phenomena is that you externalize everything you achieve. Mm-hmm. So if I accomplish something good, it's because I was luck, because I was affirmative action hire, um, because I had a good team. And you can't internalize any good thing that you have done. Um, and so if you begin there, if you start to internalize what I've done, internalize the accomplishments and recognize uh, where you are as yes it's a it's a range of things that contributed to it but part of that the core of that is you and your capabilities it's it's helpful mm. Yeah. Mm. as you're saying this tattoo I'm wondering how this can impact and like I've made a mental note because we'll we'll go back to the high achievers as well mm-hmm. and that group of people who would experience imposter phenomena but for for where we are now how how can this affect your mental health and like what's the impact that this imposter phenomena can have on people mm-hmm. it's an interesting question because i've i've in therapy people have come to me and i've said it seems like you are struggling with this thing and they'll often say but it's actually quite helpful like i am where i am because of this feeling so up to a certain extent, anxiety and some self-doubt can be helpful. It can push you and motivate you to work hard and to keep up on um, knowledge and insights. But it crosses, it gets to a point where it crosses a, a line. Um, and in the, in the more severe end of the spectrum, it can be quite debilitating and detrimental for your mental health and your career in the long run. Um, so studies have shown that people who who struggle with this also have high rates of anxiety, of depression, um, and naturally burnout. Because if you're constantly feeling like you're having to go, go, work, 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 um, that's highly stressful and eventually you're going to run out of capacity. Mm. Um, so it's it's although it's not a psychiatric diagnosis itself, you're not going to be diagnosed with imposter syndrome or phenomena, it can definitely coexist or co- um, comorbidities can be. Uh, depression, anxiety, like we're saying, burnout, mm. um, all of those real tangible um, psychological phenomena. I wonder, though, if it actually should be a, a 
diagnosable syndrome for people because I'm just thinking as you're saying it, I wonder if that makes it so much harder mm. because the anxiety or de depression becomes or burnout becomes a tangible diagnosis. And so then people feel like, oh, so it's a thing that I'm experiencing. Yeah, yeah. But because it's not, the, the imposter phenomena kind of becomes this, I need to judge it myself. Mm. And like, a, how do I know if I have it all? Or if I meet the criteria, if mm. we can call it that. Or even like, I need to handle it myself. I should be able to handle this myself, and which is not particularly helpful. My anxiety with making it um, or considering it to be a diagnosable disorder is that we're pathologizing something that ex is a societal or a larger issue. Yeah, it's not your issue, actually. Yeah, it's you internalizing what you're seeing, what you're experiencing most of the time. Like we're saying, anyone can experience it. So someone who isn't part of a, um, a historically oppressed group could experience imposter phenomena. But a lot of the time, the majority of the people who do belong to these groups. So now we're saying you carry the problem. Um, and, I, and I don't know how helpful that is. Because um, mm, mm. there's more that needs to be addressed beyond the individual. Yeah, of course. And I think that that's what makes it so complex is mm -hmm. it is an individual experience, but it's due to society and mm -hmm. like the world at large. And also, like you're saying, what do I do as an individual who exists in the society that um, is racist and sexist and homophobic? C can I not experience any relief because the society is, is problematic? Um, so I, I, I don't think it's either or. I think we can intervene on an individual level because we have to, otherwise you'll just be distressed until kingdom come. Um, but also look at the reasons why, look at the, mm. the factors that influence it. And hopefully at a larger level intervene. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's, that's part of the bigger problem with us tattoo is obviously we can't change society and we can't we, we can hope for like if there's we also can't say like we can't change it so we can't do anything about it we should continue to try and change it but the reality is like we we often we're going to wait many years for things to really change in the way that it needs to and so I'm wondering just on an individual level if it helps to be able to say oh, so I can identify that this is something that I'm going through. Mm -hmm. and, and I can see how it's because of other people who's been racist, homophobic, sexist, all of these things. But even when they're not there, now I'm continuing to do it to myself. Mm. So it's become a part of this voice that I carry and that I've internalized. And, and that that's part of maybe what we can or where we can start to change. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, that this exists beyond me, I have no control over it beyond me, but within me and in my space, I do have some control, and I should take some control, mm -hmm. but I think if we address the first part with compassion, to understand that I'm not, I'm not crazy, I'm not, it's not, I didn't make this up, um, if you address that with compassion, I think that it will be easier to address the second part, which is the individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
what are things that maybe makes people feel like they are making this up or that it's not a real thing? Because people don't talk about it really. I, in the spaces or with the clients I had in the spaces that they're in, it seems like everyone knows exactly what they're doing. They've always known. People expect for you to know. If you don't know, then um, you are shunned or you are given less work or you are looked at in a certain way. So the culture of a lot of these environments is such that like, we don't speak about it. And the less we bring things into the light, the more shameful they are. Um, and so you're just sitting in the shame alone. And, as, and I think part of the strategies to try and unpack or dismantle this kind of experience is to talk about it more openly. The people who have been through it um, should be engaging more with the people that are coming up. Mm. Just because the, you just sit in the shame because you think I'm the only one. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But I guess that that's what we do with a lot of things is we keep it to ourselves and that's where like that saying that there's there's power and vulnerability probably mm -hmm. is so so powerful is they can it, it can have such a big ripple effect if you are able to share your experience share that vulnerability of this is what I've been through or this is what I'm continuing to go through um but I think we're also in in a society where we kind of feel we often have to pretend like yeah we have it all together and that was one of the questions that I, I i was thinking of preparing for this is so do we just have to fake it until we make it or what do we do i love this question to think really hard about it <laughs> because like the answer is yes and no because when i hear fake it till you make it what i hear is you pretend until you're eventually not pretending anymore and then you just are the thing but with imposter phenomena you will pretend yourself into like burnout because you pretend, 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 and then you can't internalize what you've achieved. Mm. You can accomplish all the things, but I can't recognize that it's because of my capacity, capabilities that I have achieved the thing. So you can keep going until when. Um, so I don't know how much that applies here. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I think the opposite is probably true, that we need to not fake it. Mm. To be brutally honest about it, I'm um, an open about it and share and engage about it. I um, mean, I think the more that we do that, the less of a hold it will have. Um, yeah. So the beginning answer, yes or no, wasn't true. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think that 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 a lot of times we try and convince ourselves that faking it eventually will start believing it, mm. but but it's not just a cognitive process; it's also a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So with impulsive phenomena, it's not just about what you are telling yourself. It's how you are feeling as well. Like that matters. And that probably matters more than just the change your thoughts. Mm. Hmm. So I'm thinking because I guess if you think about like cognitive behavioral therapy, the whole premise is the thoughts and then the emotions, they interlink, heavily mm. interlinked. So I hear what you're saying, but also, hmm. I don't know how to answer that. Mm. 
well, I don't, I, I guess that there's not a right mm. or wrong, like a definitive. And I guess that there's, I'm just putting my ideas out there. I'm, I'm, I can't say which is the right or wrong. For me, I just think that a lot of times, even with like a CBT approach, that can be very helpful for people to deal with, um, like become aware of your thoughts and to, to identify how that impacts your emotions and your behaviors and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yet, I wonder if that's sometimes also a bit short-lived and, and it kind of pacifies it, but it doesn't change at the core how you view yourself and how you feel about in your body and about yourself. And so I guess that that's my comment about the emotions mm. is, mm. is that it's like that's also important to, to pay attention to. Like it's I think that, again, there's so much pressure often on, on people in general. Like you've experienced this thing, which is generational. Mm, mm. So it's not just because of your own experience that you are feeling this way. It's because of like 100 years of what's happened historically that has contributed to how you are feeling and what you're experiencing right now. And then there's this pressure almost of, well, if we just think differently, mm, then you're going to, mm, mm. then you can fix this. But it's it's so much more than just that. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I completely agree with that. But I, I also think it's important that you could feel confident and competent in other parts of your life. And it may be one specific portion where you're feeling mm-hmm. like a fraud. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I... I wouldn't directly make the correlation between a person having internalized or self-esteem issues per se. Because mm. um, like we're saying, I guess it's it's depending on the environment um, and what it represents for you or how you are able to move it in that move in that environment. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, that's where my thoughts are right now. I don't know if that, mm. yeah. Tatsu, maybe just tell me a bit more about that. Because I think that that's very interesting and it's very, like, significant that you can experience imposter phenomena and not necessarily struggle with self-confidence. Like, Mm. tell me more about that. I think that directly relates to what we've spoken about a bit earlier. um, About the fact that it's not just an internal issue. If it was just an internal issue, then we could make the the, re- the relationship would be easy to create between self-esteem and imposter phenomena. But sometimes it's a direct reflection of your environment, um, direct reflection of being underrepresented, like we said, or interpersonal issues of feeling um, overt racisms, overt sexisms, or more covert stuff. It could be something in the environment, in the society that is reflecting back to us that we do not belong here, that you're not good enough to be here, that I'm going to challenge you at each step of the way, make it two times harder for you to get through anything. And naturally, even if you have the highest self-esteem, it's likely to impact you in a different way in that space. When I'm at home, I'm with my partner and a child or whatever, I feel like I belong. I feel like this is a safe environment. Mm -hmm. So I'll respond differently than if Mm -hmm. I'm in a an environment that's challenging me constantly Mm. challenging my identity constantly but that's that's then so so 
important for people to really understand is again it's something that that's internal as we've said before but you are not the problem so there's not something wrong with you and Mm -hmm. that's why you're feeling this way and I need to be more confident and be more of whatever Mm -hmm. because you can be all of those things and and that's probably what also maintains the burnout is at you you almost have this idea that if if I get there then it's going to be different so if we think about corporate like if I become the CEO or if I become the manager then I'm not going to feel this Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome anymore but it's just something that never ends and and you just maybe continue to feel that way if the environment doesn't change. Yeah, it will follow you until you do something about it. It doesn't matter how much you know, how much you've accomplished, who you know, who tells you what. If you're struggling with this and it's not managed, it will follow you. Mm. Wow, that's heavy. Mm. It is. And it's very um, personal because I, I struggle um, with it and I and I like to say when I think about it it's like a childhood friend um, who you have a lot of history together and at some point it was quite helpful for me um, it pushed me and I think part of the reason I'm here is because I was pushed in that kind of way but at this point it's not helpful it's like a, this is a toxic friend I need to release you um, and I need to find new ways to engage um, but it, it's heavy it, it can be really really tough mm-hmm. mm. That's such a beautiful way to, to like a metaphor to use mm-hmm. that it's it's a childhood friend that was really helpful at some point but not anymore and and I guess that that it's also not that easy to just let go of. People kind of would go but cut it like <laughs> <laughs> just not don't like we don't want that in our lives. Um, but it's again just the cycle of maybe even that putting pressure on. But so. I need to be do- able to do this yeah, yeah. so much easier and quicker or whatever than I am. Yeah. And if we go back to the high achieving group who's more susceptible, those kind of people like are motivated to fix the problem, motivated to do the thing to fix the problem. So the more you tell them that you should be able to just feel confident and fake it till you make it even, the more it feeds the beast. Um, and I, so I think that, it's more about like vulnerability. Like let's 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 tear down those walls. Like th- yeah. Yeah, I think it's the opposite of like go, go, go. It's like slow down. Mm. Just like breathe. Um, because the go is where they're comfortable. Go is like that's where it is. It's just like slow down, let's sit with it, let's talk, let's unpack. Mm. Mm. I wonder though, so if we if we think a bit about the high achieving group tattoo, um, what are factors there that would motivate people? Because so let's say you are not someone who's necessarily um, experienced racism, sexism, homophobia. I want to say homophobism. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a word? No, <laughs> that's I'm like. I need to stop and think now with the homophobia. Um, like, if you're not that, how do you still land up feeling like an imposter? There's so many questions about this. We've not been reading up on it. Um, I think when we think about the um, historically disadvantaged groups, it's, it's easier to make sense of. With people who are not, um, 
yeah, it's more complicated. And I think there needs to be more research directed there. But if we're talking specifically about high achieving people, I think it's likely because we live in a very individualistic society um, and the, the, the things that are most valued in this kind of society are like autonomy, um, like um, achievement, those kind of things are, are highly valued in the type of society. So if you have the more of those traits that you possess, the more valuable you are, the more status you have, the more you can accomplish. Um, sorry, yes. So I think, again, I think society, a lot of the time, society also contributes to where they're at. Society sets it up such that, um, again, the individualistic society where everyone is on their own, we value certain qualities, you set it up such that only one person can win. Um, only one person can get the promotion. Only one team gets the trophy. Um, and there's value in that. So naturally, if you are an anxious person, if you have anxiety, or you are a highly motivated person, and that we can go back to, I don't know if it's temperament or it's upbringing, um, if it's perfectionistic traits, there's a bunch of things we can mm. um, hypothesize it could be. But that combined with a society uh, which praises... Uh, those kind of traits could lead to that kind of behavioral pattern mm -hmm. or that kind of experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I mean, that's just, I'm theorizing. I don't think there's a clear cut cause yeah. and effect or a, yeah. I do think though that we are in the society and it's just been on my mind so much where we are taught to really like evaluate everything. And so we are constantly checking, am I winning or am I losing? Am I passing or am I failing? So like we, we're doing that with everything. Like even just saying that I'm thinking of this, this idea of like I'm winning at life. <laughs> like, wh what is yeah. that? Like it's, yeah. it's actually bizarre that that's something that, that people even say. Or that we think or that we kind of try and figure out is, am I winning at life? Whereas like that completely disregards just us as human beings and our experiences. Mm. And like it's, it's so, it's, it's, it's so big, this whole idea of what we should be doing mm. and mm. what success really looks like. And like, I think that that that's probably a, a why it's also so difficult to define is there's so many things that it's like a pandemic mm. basically and i i think because it's just entrenched in our society we don't question it enough we don't question how like you're saying we evaluate everything that everyone has to win or lose um it's like from when you go to preschool i don't know you have to like apply now years in advance to get in and then it's like a competition which schools did it's it's set up such that this is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and we just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's really creating quite a problem for our mental health and our just overall well-being. Um, and then we're shocked and we're like, what's happening? Like naturally, if, this is, if these are the things that are in place, um, the likelihood of us experiencing this much distress is heightened. And what else can we expect? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then we end up with a society that's depressed, anxious, 
traumatized, just as a whole overwhelmed because everyone's just trying to like, and, and I think we, we're generalizing, well, I'm generalizing, not everyone experiences it to mm, the same mm, extent mm. or the same level of severity. But I think that there's so many people that's just like mindlessly a part of the cycle. And maybe if you have more support and if you have some factors that would make you more resilient, then you're lucky to kind of bypass mm, a lot mm, of this. Mm. But or I say lucky, like, but but you are able to get through and survive a lot of it and not get stuck. Whereas a lot of other people kind of get left behind in terms of I'm stuck with this and it's something that I'm unable to to escape. And I must be the wrong one or the weak one to not be have been able to escape it, which is actually just not it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sh- continuously shocked at some of the, the ways that these institutions function and you hear it through kind of clients and through therapies that they set it up such that like there's no alternative but to be burnt out. There's no alternative to be pitted against your peers. There's no alternative to kind of but to hide the mistakes that you're making and feel like you are incompetent as a result of the mistakes that you're making. Um, and so they set it up such that people can't not be anxious and distressed. And like you're saying, the people who aren't um, have some things that are they allowed to, that allow them to bypass it. But it would be natural for the people who are to feel the way they are. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. The other thing though that I'm just thinking of tattoo as we're speaking is, like as you said earlier, it's this pro. I can't remember exactly what was the words that you used, but it's like this prolonged or persistent feeling of I'm a fraud, I'm not good enough, mm. people are going to find out that I shouldn't be here, I'm not capable. And like I think, again, that's uh, – or I wonder if that's part of what makes it difficult for people is it's very normal to mm. experience mm. some mm. of that, especially, for example, if you just start off. But then at some point we would expect that it's going to change and that, that you don't feel like that. So on your first day of work, if you feel like that, that's pretty yeah, yeah. expected. But if you feel like that after three years being in a role, mm. that's a huge difference. And that's the part of the way we assess if it's a, um, I don't want to say normal because that's a judgment. If it's a development, developmentally appropriate anxiety or self-doubt um or if it's quite severe on the spectrum um and and i guess yeah like you're saying it's the chronicness of it um it's the fact that it's not just day one it's it's 20 years into your career it's still some something you struggle with um yeah so whether it's developmentally appropriate um and how chronic it is those are the ways you can assess whether it's like a, a an anxiety that everyone has or if it's quite debilitating mm. and it might be problematic or detrimental in the future. Mm. Mm. Tattoo, um, I'm, I'm thinking of, of like a lot of different things around it. But one of the questions that I also have is if you think it's something that people experience mainly in their jobs or careers or is this something that people experience in other aspects of their lives? Mm. 
The majority of the research I've read has been in academia or in workplaces. Um, but on a, a personal level, I don't think it would be unreasonable to think that it could exist in other spaces. Mm. Um, I think it's, I've, if I think about it in my, in my own world, my own sphere, um, maybe like feeling like a new mother mm. um, and feeling like you're not uh, um, measuring up to how other mothers are parenting. Um, so I think it could be anywhere where you have people to compare yourself to. Um, there's not a lot of research done on that, those spaces, but I don't think it's, it's, it's isolated just to academia or, or professional spaces. Mm. Yeah. I think it makes sense that those would be the spaces where it happens most often mm. because that's where there's like maybe a bit of measurement. So there's, there's promotions, there's mm. positions, there's salary, there's like your marks that you achieve when you're studying. So obviously I think it, it becomes a more tangible. What else are things that, that you feel is important for people to know about imposter phenomena or like just things that obviously you've spent some time thinking about this. Mm. Um, yeah. Is there anything, any, any themes or topics that you think is important to discuss? I think the first thing that probably comes to mind um is that it feels, if I think back on what we've been discussing, it feels very big. Um, it feels like completely out of any individual's control. Like this is way beyond me. What, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, and I think to alleviate some of that anxiety is that it's not your job to fix all of these societal problems. Now, you can't be going to work worried about how I'm going to break down challenge sexism and racism that's not your role um your role um in managing these feelings or managing these thoughts i think one is to be more suspicious of your thoughts our thoughts are not facts um and i think too often we just let our thoughts run rampant and just without really paying attention um and these really have an, an impact on us so just to be more suspicious of the things that we we have going on in our head, like put the thought down on like a surgical table and look at it from different angles, um, evaluate it, unpack it, uh, deconstruct, put it back together, maybe bringing some external uh, reinforcement in, uh, in the form of like a mentor, someone in your field who you trust um, and who you respect. So when they tell you something, you believe them. It's not like your mother, because you might say she's biased and then it defeats <laughs> the purpose. Um, or therapy. I think therapy is very helpful in deconstructing, unpacking, thinking through um, some things. Uh, but beyond that, we're, we're not responsible. We need to get through the day. We're not responsible for fixing all society's issues. Mm. It's just about how do I manage best? How do I get through the day best without having a meltdown, without burning out, with maintaining some sort of, um, yeah, overall well-being. I, I guess, though, that that might also come with some loss in, in mm -hmm. some way. Um, if, we, if we're saying, for example, okay, we realize I'm someone that experiences imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and that 
this is going to lead to me burning out if it's just something that I continue to to work towards. Mm-hmm. That acceptance of number one, it's an external thing and, and it's the environment that's playing the biggest role in all of this. I wonder if that what that could mean for people personally in terms of, okay, but so maybe it means that I'm not going to get the acknowledgement that I want. Maybe it means that for me to preserve preserve myself and to take care of myself that I might decide I don't want to be in this role anymore or I don't want to be doing whatever it is that I'm doing anymore because I'm realizing that that's not all that matters. Like, I wonder if it can also lead to like a bit of a, I want to say identity crisis if people realize Mm. what they need to do in order to take care of themselves. And the, 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 I'm not saying that it's always, you need to leave whatever you're doing because it's impossible to change, but maybe sometimes it is. Hmm. That's a big one. So are you saying that if it's not possible for an individual to manage um, these feelings in the space that they're in, that it's possible that they'd have to remove themselves partially or fully and that would impact their progression in wherever they are? Mm. That's a valid point. That's, that's, I think that's fully possible. Um, I think, yeah, if you, I think you put... Um, if you put things in place internally and externally to help facilitate a healthier uh, relationship with your work or your academics or with motherhood or fatherhood, whatever it is, and it's not working sustainably, then I think it would require some evaluation mm. um, of what actually what actually works for you, what actually is healthy for you, um, how you can still... Um, Work towards the things you desire um, without sacrificing your well-being. Mm. There are some careers where it's a fundamental part of the career is like stretching yourself, burnout, which is awful. And I, I, I'm, it shocks me all the time. And so if, if there's no way to manage that, then maybe that's, that's mm. the solution. Mm. But I don't imagine people getting there easily. No, of course. Yeah. And, and like... <laughs> I don't want to make it seem like that's that's something that would happen all the time because I I don't think that that's obviously the goal. The goal is that you that you can achieve your goals and that you you can find a space that allows you to or not allows you but like encourages you to grow and to develop and to like be the best you that you could possibly be. But I guess that a lot of times we don't get that opportunity and we don't get that environment mm. that works with us. I just had a thought. Sorry, Crystal. Um, yes and no again. Mm. Because the no is, then are we saying that people who struggle in certain environments like shouldn't be there? Who People who it's harder for, so I'm thinking back to my, let's say, black female um, clients and corporate are we saying because it's harder for them that that's not the space that they should be in and is that not reinforcing some I don't know problematic structural issues so I guess it's a fine line yes because if you have to work harder and and it 
yeah, let me think this through. Does that does that make sense? Though? It it makes complete yeah. sense what you're saying, and like I think that that's maybe the message that that I want people to just also get from this discussion is mm. there's no black or white answer to this. There's no um, fixed recipe. It's really about you and and how like how you take care of yourself and how you what you experience that mm. would would determine how you deal with this imposter phenomena because obviously it's not about or well, I'm saying obviously um for me obviously it's not about encouraging anyone to say well the environment's not going to change and so I just can never be what I would want to be mm, mm. because that that in itself is not fair it's not just that like that's what we're trying to change in this world mm. however I wonder if that's also like kind of encouraging burnout for people to say well we can't accept this we should never accept this and so that means you just need to indefinitely continue enduring this like I think that that's the the struggle is to yeah. know how much and how long do I endure and hope for change and that that happens sometimes and that it actually like it's also not this hopeless thing that can never mm. change like mm. I think that there's a lot of people who might experience it changing for them and um, like there's more opportunity and more um, awareness from people and obviously it's because people are not giving up it's because people are enduring but I don't know where that line is yeah. of how long do you endure and when when is it also okay to say like enough enough it's also just so damn unfair that that has to yeah. be a conversation that you have with yourself that's 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 a boundary you have to negotiate i mm. think I, I just had to verbalize that it's not helpful at all. No, but it's, but just, it's true. It's just really unfair mm. um, that you just want to go to work. You just want to go to school. You just want to be a mother or father or whatever. And then there's these, all these things coming at you, um, which you didn't ask for. Um, I, yeah, like there's no answer to that. It really is. It, I think it's a constant assessment of where you are um, and probably like why you want to be where you're going. Um, I think beyond imposter phenomena, like why why do I want to do this thing? Why do I want to get to this level? What are my motivations? Um, are they authentic to who I am? Is it influenced by other factors? Um, and then based on that, if it is in fact where you are, then I mean, endure on, go, go on, because it's tough. What else? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there's just this this heavy undertone for me mm. with this topic. Um, and I think that, that that in itself is important for people to also recognize. It's not just like, a, oh, you have imposter phenomena. I think people joke about it very much. And it's kind of just like, oh, well, we're all sitting in this corner together. We're all experiencing this. And so <laughs> let's just soldier on and like it's, it's there, but... It is, it, it, we are human beings and it's it's a lot to have to, to carry. And I think that for me, it's important that people also just have this 
realization maybe if they haven't had it yet where like just realize how much you are having to go through like life in itself is difficult life is challenging we are complex human beings um but like to sit with imposter phenomena on top of everything be kind Mm -hmm. to yourself like really be compassionate with yourself and just take like just check in with yourself in terms of how much it is that you have to think of and um, anticipate and just carry additionally. Mm. Um, because I think that a lot of times people lack that compassion and they, they really struggle to acknowledge like, my load is a bit heavier than some other people's. Yeah, But yet yeah. I expect that I need to just be able to do more or the same. Mm. And that's why I think an external party or a third party is helpful because I, we can get stuck in our heads and go round and round and round in circles. So whether it's a therapist, whether it's a friend, a mentor, whatever it is, I think to bring someone else into your thought process who can, who can do exactly what you're saying um, and also provide evidence for why you are in fact capable and in some instances more than capable sometimes you're more capable than your peers because you've had to um, do a lot more to get to where you are. Um, But yeah, oftentimes I think people think they can do that work on their own or think through that alone. And I mean, some people can, but I don't know that a lot of people can. Yeah, can. I I definitely can't. I need an external Mm. person. Mm. Tatu, thanks so much for also just sharing a bit of yourself and and your experiences because I think that that's part of the the cycle and the stigma that we need to break is almost like we need to in in order to feel like we are successful Mm -hmm. or that people can trust what we say we need to have never experienced any of this yeah yeah um so I know that just mentioning that is also you being very vulnerable and and sharing something that's difficult. But I think it's so important for people to be able to relate, to go like, well, for me personally, that's something that I often experience. And I, I don't know if I can re- really compare it, but it's maybe the closest that I can get, um, is I often find myself sitting in my own therapy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going, but I shouldn't be struggling with this because I'm a psychologist. <laughs> like, how do I struggle to regulate my emotions? Yeah. Like, isn't this what I help other people with? Or how do I sit with these thoughts? Because I, I know it, but like I know logically that this is what I'm experiencing or this is what, what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole different experience when it's you that's going through it. And so... Like the reason I'm using that example is for you to be a psychologist that's experiencing imposter phenomena herself, like that that shouldn't be such a strange thing. Yes, it is, like you're saying. Because I, I do think in this profession there's an expectation that you are like wise and almost all-knowing and so sure of yourself and like comfortable in your skin. Um, and to feel like I'm actually not... Like, dude, I struggle. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's an ongoing process. It's, it's a lot better and a lot of um, 
spaces. So in individual therapy, I feel a lot more sure. But spaces like this, it took a lot for me to agree to do this because mm-hmm. I'm like, people are going to find out I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm not going to say the right thing. Um, they're going to catch me out. So it evolves um, and you have to constantly be aware of it, aware of your thoughts to know when it's evolved. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's an ongoing process. It is, yo, uh-uh. yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's so important, Tattoo, and it's it's so valuable that you that you are facing that and and you're coming for this podcast and you are sitting here and we're having this discussion um, because this is what people need. People need to hear these things. They need to hear that they're not alone. They need to hear Mm. that, hold on, I'm not not crazy. This is what I've been experiencing maybe. And and that that just in in naming it, saying it and like outing it almost, Mm. Mm. there's so much value and worth in that. And there's so much power in it because part of the fear is that someone's going to point you out. But I've already figured it out. Like I know and I'm saying it. So what? Like what? Um, but like I know when I listen to this when it's out, I'm gonna tear it apart, I'm gonna nitpick, but I, I know what that is. And so I can process that with my therapist, so I can process that with you as my supervisor, mm. whatever it is. Um, but once it's out there, it's just there's not much as much shame about it. Mm. Um, like it, it is what it is. I'm working through it, I'm managing it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like I want to end off on that note. Okay. Because I think that that's that's an important kind of end off. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I don't want to taint it with and then we forget what, we, what, what you just said. Okay. Okay. I'm happy with that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tattoo. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe on your desired platform. I will be so grateful if you're willing to take the time to rate this podcast so that you can continue to learn more about various topics related to your mental health and well-being.